Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the incredible, amazing, wonderful podcast, officially not, unofficially not brought to you by Chipotle, where the burritos will help keep you regular, the Real Film Nerds. I'm your host with uh, no money and no time, normal Matt Hinshaw. And with me, as always, my amazing, incredible co-host who doesn't sleep much because he's getting married in Intercourse, Pennsylvania, Mysterious Mike. Uh, Yep, yep. I am getting married soon and it is adding lots of uh, things to do. So I'm very busy. See, how was that? That was a pretty good little intro, even though I didn't uh, do a pun for Black Klansmen, since I think that probably wouldn't be good. Yeah, that probably wouldn't be good. Everybody's so sensitive. All right, so since I ruined it, Mike, you want to go ahead and give us the uh, the rundown on Black Klansmen? Yeah, so uh, like Matt said, we're uh, going to talk about Black Klansmen. It was uh, directed by Spike Lee. Its uh, writers are Charlie Wichtel, David Rabinowitz, Kevin Wilmot, and Spike Lee. Uh, It's starring John David Washington, Adam Driver, Laura Harrier, Topher Grace. And this this movie is about uh, Ron Starworth, an African-American police officer from Colorado, successfully manages to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan with the help of white surrogate, who eventually becomes head of the local branch. Do you officially become the head in the movie? I don't remember that. I know he got sworn in, but I I, th- I didn't know if that was the head of the whole thing. Well, whatever. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm sure the movie studio probably wrote that storyline, so. Yeah, I imagine. I imagine. So, Mike, um, I don't know your thoughts and feelings on this film. I saw it uh, last week on Thursday. And I, I have mixed feelings about it. Extremely mixed feelings. I knew it was going to be political. I did not think it was going to be as political as it is. It's extremely in your face about it, which I understand. I think there's probably a reason to do a film like this in today's climate because it feels like the race relations is brought out more than ever in the past, I would say, probably 30 years. I'd say probably since about the mid-80s. It it seems that uh, race relations have just exploded or maybe it's just because we see more of it now thanks to social media and cell phone cameras. I don't know. But uh, I, I enjoyed the film. I thought it was good. I just didn't like how over-the-top political it got. I kind of just wanted the story, the based-on-true story of the film, and then just kind of leave it at that and let the viewer interpret it how it relates to today. And Spike Lee kind of at the end uh, shoves it right in your face and says, uh, this is what this movie was really supposed to be about kind of thing. And I don't know if uh, it kind of feels like he was overstepping his bounds, in my opinion. What do you think, Mike? 
Yeah, the uh, end of this movie is extremely in your face, and I felt unwarranted. It's like he he couldn't not stir up some stuff, and it, it seemed like he was doubting that the audience would put everything together. So he's like, in case you didn't really get this, this is what this is about. And I didn't like that being like force fed. What um, it was very obvious throughout the film. I mean, even the way that they they phrase some of the things in the movie are like, oh, okay. One that bothered me quite a bit as well. Not that I am for or against Trump. I try to keep myself kind of in the middle. That's one of the uh, curses of uh, being a career photojournalist. And working at a newspaper for many, many years, um, no one at the newspaper ever could guess my political affiliations. And that's pretty much how it should be. And so now that I don't work there anymore, a lot of people now know, especially my family and things, they've always kind of known where I fall. But um, I'll just say I'm not for or against Trump. I'm just kind of whatever. And I'm not a personally, I was not a huge fan of Topher Grace's character, who is based on a living human being, the head of the Ku Klux Klan, dropping a couple lines in there that directly suggest the head of the Ku Klux Klan pushed for a white supremacist takeover of the U.S. government, and he, Spike uh, Lee specifically suggests, you know, uh, make America great, even actually comes out of the head of the Ku Klux Klan's mouth in this film. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Yeah, I'm not sure what the... I guess I guess in his mind, uh, this, this uh, is what is really happening in America. And he wanted to show that, like, kind of like history is repeating itself. And he wanted to show that this uh this stuff is happening now i guess i don't know man uh don't get me wrong you know there's lots of things that trump has done and has not done in the political spectrum especially with one of the rallies that was featured at the end of this film and his response to it or shall we say lack thereof i don't necessarily I, I really don't want to get political in this podcast, but it's kind of hard not to talking about this film. I I don't want to say that Trump is a racist. I don't feel like he is. I just don't think he's the brightest man in the world, or especially when it comes to speaking publicly. I think he tends to go off the cuff way too much. I don't think he... Uh, thinks before he talks i don't think he goes by his script and i think that's some of the things that have really really burned him in his political career so far but anyways there is clearly a hardcore divide in the country going on with racism and maybe again i think it's not so much that it's there's more racism today i think it's just we see more of it because of social media and because of smartphones that there's now people being able to present 
evidence of it existing. I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah, that that's probably the best way you can put it, is we're just so much more connected and you can reach so many people. Your your video that you took on a phone, if if the content is something that people want to see, you know, it could be seen in you by millions of people in, in a matter of hours. Right, right. And it's just you know, you might only see it it might be edited down and it might only be this or it might only be that. But there has been racism in this country since basically the day it was founded. And it's not a good thing. I mean, I think things have gotten better in since definitely the 60s. But it's still there in the year 2018. And I think that's why Spike Lee does films like this is to be like, hey, this is not okay. I don't give a crap if you're white, black, Mexican, Latino, whatever. Come on, man. Being a racist. Yeah. Being being a racist is not okay in this world today. We're all the same. So what? That's what makes America what it is, is everyone is different. That's why it's great versus other countries in this world. And I think that's one of the things Spike Lee is trying to point out with films like this. But that's just my take on it. Well, I guess you could also say that he he's he made a provocative film to get people talking and get people thinking. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly the way I'd go about it, but like, cause it, it, I don't know when I, when I was done watching the movie, a bunch of people clapped and I was like, Oh, like, I don't know. It was just strange to me that they all clapped. So it's, it's, it's like, cause it's kind of like a call to like more separation and more fighting. I don't know. It's, 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 you think so? You think it was know. a call to more separation, more fighting? I think it was just Spike Lee trying to point out that it, it's not okay to have racism in the year 2018 in the United States of America. It's just not okay. This is supposed to be done and over with. It's, you know, I mean, the 60s was what? Uh, 50, almost 50 years ago? now over 50 years ago dude it's almost almost Uh, i'm uh, I'm terrible at math right now but okay i was like it's almost 60 years yeah it well i'm i was thinking more like you know the end of the 60s like 68 69 because i mean this movie actually takes place in the 70s did it i don't know if i remember it saying when it did i mean i saw the cars but i don't remember if if it said what year it was i mean it was it's supposed to take place in 1979 actually okay yeah i'm not i'm not sure if i ever got that exactly but okay yeah that sounds about right so anyways i so even just say 78 79 from then you know things it's just not okay i don't think it's I mean, yeah, things like this definitely starts getting the, um, I guess you'd say, more controversial people out there in the streets building more of a divide. And that's kind of the last thing we need is more of a divide. We need 
you know, to come together. But I don't know. I'm getting super freaking political again. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's it's pretty much a completely political movie. I mean, we knew it was going to be a political movie, but I was like, whoa, it's a lot of politics. Like, I mean, it's the whole movie's politics. And then at the beginning part with uh, the the one character who I never saw again, do you, do you know what that was about? Was that just to highlight the changing of, of uh, I guess, segregation in schools? trying to think which character you're talking about alec baldwin's character oh see i think that was just a cameo but um i didn't understand that part like uh, uh, okay uh, looking yeah, back alec at it in the Baldwin's movie character yeah i think it was uh supposed to be a rhetoric kind of white supremacist uh film that was done kind of like a, a student education kind of film thing like what you're touching on you know but yeah. intended for white supremacists i don't think it was intended for everyday students if that makes sense okay because i was confused i was like what like first off i wasn't even sure i was watching the right movie because i'm like what the heck is this and then i mean it gets into some like race stuff and i was like okay i think this is it but it was weird it was a weird way to start a movie yeah it was quite odd very odd so, do you want to hear my interesting uh, issue I had in the theater? Oh, yeah, yeah. What did you get? So, I went and saw it on Thursday. It was the late show. I tend to go to the late shows just because then I don't have to deal with quite as many crowds. But surprisingly, there was only one other person in the entire theater. And it wasn't in a small theater. I saw it at our local Harkins, the Prescott Valley Harkins 14. And there literally was no one else in the theater other than one other guy. And it was in one of their bigger theaters. And the one solo guy, as you know, Mike, from being a former employee of Harkins, um, there, the Harkins person came through, did their little check, walked around, and then left. And almost immediately after the Harkins person did their little walkthrough... I smelled weed like you wouldn't believe. Oh, so so somebody lit up right there. Uh, I mean, man, the it, one it, other it, person in the theater besides myself started smoking a J. Yes, and I was like, "That's an interesting thing to do during this meeting." I mean, not this meeting, this movie. I figured that's that's like a total Super Troopers two kind of thing, not a race charged movie about the clan in the 1970s well matt who says when you take your medicine right you got a good point mike you got a good point so you know sometimes it's after you know dinner uh while you're watching the movie right you're just yeah. you, you had to eat with food right so just taking the medicine yeah yeah you're right you're right he was taking it with popcorn yeah so, anyways, that was interesting. The other thing that I found interesting is that it's still in the theater here. Uh, you know, um, Prescott being predominantly white and predominantly conservative community. I don't. I wouldn't think this movie would stay in the theater here very long, but it's still here at Harkins, and I think it's still here next week. Which, I guess, that's a good thing. 
Yeah, I, I don't know how many people are going to see it, but yeah, uh, my theater I saw it at. It was in a smaller theater, which I was a little surprised about. And when I arrived to purchase my ticket, I had to sit in the front because all the tickets were sold in the the uh, the um, stadium seating part of it. So I was like, "Huh, okay." Mike, you're going to have to stop slacking and show up to movies earlier now. Because this is what, like three in a row of you having to sit in the front? Yeah, it's not a big deal for me, though. I don't care. I'm pretty sure Maniacal Mags is not happy about it. Does she go with you? Uh, no, she she did not go with me uh, to watch this movie. And she probably, she, I don't know if she would have liked this movie, so it's probably better that uh, I didn't take her. Was she out working? Yeah, yeah, she was out working. That damn work thing. Yeah. Always getting in the way. It is, it is. All right, so let's get back on the movie. I do have to say one thing that I really enjoyed in this movie quite a bit was Kylo Ren's performance. Oh, I was going to I was going to ask about the Star Wars. Uh, what did you think of Adam Driver and you're you're already doing it? For those of you who do not know, Adam Driver is the name of Kylo Ren. That's his civilian name. But I think Adam Driver is a very talented actor, and this movie shows how talented he really is, and that Ryan Johnson again dropped the damn ball in The Last Jedi, because he could have had a much better performance out of out of Adam Driver. Now, I'm sure J.J. will take care of things appropriately for the upcoming Episode Nine. But honestly, I was very impressed with his performance in this film. I don't, I can't even imagine how difficult it was for him to say all those horrible racist things. And he did it very convincingly. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was going to say something actually about his performance. I really thought he did well. Since his character was the one that was interacting with all the uh, the Ku Klux Klan members in the movie, he was directly talking to him and stuff, and he did great. Like, it was, it it, it seemed very real, and, and, you know, it's hard for him, because he's playing a character who's playing a character, kind of, so... It's kind right. of hard, it's, hard to act that. It's really deep. Like there's a lot of lot of layers on this one, a lot of layers, and I think he did it. I don't think you could have done it better, honestly. I think if they would have had a really huge, big name in there, other than you know Adam Driver, I don't think they would have done better than he did. I think he did phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. But that's that's my opinion. Now, what did you think of uh, Denzel Washington Jr.? I mean, John David Washington. Oh, uh, I, I I thought he did well. <laughs> Denzel Washington is that his? That's not his son, is it? Yeah, it is. That's his son, dude. How did you not tell he was Denzel Washington's son? He sounds like Denzel Washington. Oh, I guess so. I didn't even, man. I didn't even put that together. I'm not very smart. It's okay. I thought John Washington, well, I'm sh- it has three names on IMDb, so that must mean he goes by three names. 
So uh, John David Washington, not a serial killer, because, you know, serial killers use all three names, too. He probably just goes by JD. Maybe. Um, I thought he did okay. Um, I I don't want to say he did fantastic, but it was... It was passable. It was good. Uh, it, it it came off a little rough at the start, his acting, if you ask me. Um, definitely started getting better towards the end, towards the middle for sure. Now, I don't know how they shot the film, if they shot it that way or what, but maybe he was just uncomfortable during those scenes at the start of the film, which is 100% understandable, you know? Because uh, not to not to spoil it, but those are su- those are the scenes where basically he is heavily impersonating a white person and being extremely racist. And I can't even imagine him trying to, you know, someone trying to say that even in jest, and he's trying to keep a a straight face and not get angry and uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. I understand. I understand why it came off not great because it. I. It must have been difficult. That's all I got to say. It must have been difficult. But throughout the rest of the film, I mean, fantastic, fantastic job. Yeah, I think it was a little rough when it first started, but maybe it was supposed to be because that's kind of what he was experiencing. So it's hard to, hard to tell if that was entirely intentional to, kind of get you all you know, in his situation, in his mindset, I guess. Well, and he's also a rookie cop on top of it. It's not just that he's a black man impersonating a a white person trying to join the Klan. He's also a rookie police officer to boot. Like, he really has no idea what the hell's going on. So maybe he did play it better than I'm thinking. Maybe he did do the role how he should have done it because I, maybe I'm just reading it as bad acting or not bad acting. I mean, it was a bad, it was just not as polished as the rest of the film. Yeah. But maybe that's what he was going for. Maybe because in the back of his mind, he's like, you know, this is a brand new cop and now he's getting, th- well, not so much thrown, but he's moving up the ladder very quickly. He's definitely way in over his head. And then Maybe that's how he wanted that. And as he transitions throughout the film, he starts becoming more confident, not only as being a white person in the clan, but also also um, in his abilities as a police officer. Yeah. Yeah. We might as well get into it. Mike, how does Black Klansman relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, Laura Harrier, who uh, played Patrice uh, Dumas in uh, Black Klansman, was also in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming as the character Liz. Wow, is that two in a row of Spider-Man Homecoming references? Yes. I think it is, because... Oh, well, no, no, because Mute was... um, Paul Rudd. Oh, and that was Ant yeah, So well, was it's two it. weeks. It's two weeks in a row. Yeah, two weeks. Yep. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. So, 
Um, All right. So we got the MC out of the way. We got our not spoilered part of the review out of the way. Mike, do you want to spoil this movie and just go at it? I don't know if I really want to. Sp- I mean, I think most people know what goes on. They, the, you know, if you saw the trailer, you kind of know that these these guys do uh, an operation where one guy talks to him on the phone and then the other guy plays the guy that was talking to him on the phone and they just kind of start figuring out what's going on with the Ku Klux Klan in in Colorado. I was kind of amazed that the Ku Klux Klan was in Colorado. So that was a Dude, they're everywhere. Yeah, I I guess. I I don't know, man. I guess I didn't know. Um, I was talking to one of my coworkers, actually, who is from Colorado, specifically, I think, Colorado Springs, if you want to hear the truth. And when I told her that the movie took place in Colorado Springs and it was about the Klan, she said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. She was not surprised at all. Okay, well, I am uh, very ignorant to uh, the Klan then. Yeah, so am I. I... I I don't know if the true story took place in Colorado Springs. Maybe it did. I don't know. I I chose not to research the true story. I kind of wanted to just go with the merits of the film as itself than actually researching the true story. But maybe I'll do it now that we're done with the podcast. I don't know. Yeah, now that we're we're spoiling it, Matt, what what did you think of all, all that stuff oh, okay. uh, at well, the end uh, there? That's, that's... that's why I wanted to say we're going to do the spoiling. So here we go. We'll just say it right now because there are things I want to discuss at the end of the film that are spoilers in my opinion. So if you don't want Black Klansmen spoiled, go ahead and turn off the podcast now and come back in like, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes for the review. I mean, for our ratings. Or you can just read it on our website or show notes because I put the rating in there so that you don't have to listen to the podcast if you don't want to, to know the rating of the film. Because sometimes people just want to know our ratings if it's worth to go see the film, and then they'll listen to the podcast after they see the film and see what we thought. But anyway, so here's your warning. Spoilers from here to the end. All right, go for it, Mike. You wanted to know my opinion on the ending. Now, the I'll start with answering yours, and then I will bring up mine, because mine is also part of the ending, and I'm interested to hear your take on this as well. But the very end of the film shows the clips from lots of the most recent outpouring of white supremacy that has made the news such as the um the car that drove through a crowd of people uh there was the um was it charlottesville where they had the tiki torch yeah no that's all March. in Char- that's all in charlottesville all all okay. that stuff at the end was, was it all charlottesville? Charlottesville? okay yeah. i wasn't sure um I, but it was all around that time period and things i i personally felt that that just kind of didn't need to be there I think it just added more to the film that didn't need to be there. The film had already pretty much answered it with, in my opinion, what was a perfect ending to this film was, uh, again, spoilers, because this is going to spoil the hell out of the ending. At the very end, 
the uh, white supremacists are trying to blow up the uh, president of the uh, I don't remember the name of the the group at the college. It was a college club for black advancement of women, or uh, it was something like that. It wasn't Black Panthers, but they were tied in with Black Panthers somehow, some way. I yeah. don't remember the exact name of the club. Anyways, she's the president. She also happens to be dating the police officer Denzel, not Denzel, John David Washington's character. And they met in like the first or second act of the film and they pretty much have a somewhat ongoing relationship. You could tell it's not very far, but he does have feelings with for her and he is what I would call dating her. Uh, maybe not exclusively, but they're on that road, you can tell. Yeah. And so the white supremacists show up and they're supposed to blow up, you know, her car or her house or some shit. And things go awry and they ended up blowing up a bunch of the white supremacists. They end up killing, not so much killing themselves, but kind of killing themselves. And the first police officers on scene immediately run over and arrest the black cop that is the main character we had been following this entire movie and they do not even believe that he's a police officer they believe that he's the one that's doing all this chaos in my opinion that right there was a perfect ending to this film yeah yeah now that right there yeah perfect that says it all spike lee that says it all right there you really did not need to add more to it but he chose to yeah, and then it was strange because it, it talked about when they're done with the investigation, they are kind of all excited, and then he, and like they're, um, was it the police captain or, or the one of the characters was like, okay, destroy all the evidence. What? Like, yeah, it was, that was, the, it was that weird. That was the police chief. Yeah, I didn't really get that. Um, that. I wonder if that's something maybe tied to the real story. Yeah, I'm wondering if the police chief was in on it somehow. Like, he was, like, part of the clan or something. I don't know. It seemed... Because he acted weird. He did weird things. Yeah. Well, the only other thing that my mind went to at that point, if you remember, there's one scene where uh, Ron Stallworth, the John David Washington Ron Stallworth, goes and meets with an FBI guy and gives up all of the investigation that they have on the clan so far, specifically relating to the national um, grand master, grand wizard, whatever the hell they call him, uh, Topher Grace's character, uh, David Duke. I believe that's his name, David Duke. Yes. Gives up all the information to the FBI on David Duke and basically trying to help them build a large investigation against the national Ku Klux Klan organization instead of just the Colorado Springs one. Now, that immediately at the end got me thinking maybe all that information that he handed over to the FBI was not the FBI. Maybe that guy was a member of the Klan trying to see what this little rinky-dink police department had on it, but wouldn't you think he would have told them about it, all that stuff? I don't know. I don't know. That's just where mine kind of was. My mind was kind of going that maybe. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it was what something it is. like that. I don't know. And but, then uh, the but, police chief could have been in on it. I don't know. 
Yeah, but he did mention that the two guys, he's all, hey, who these guys that he didn't know who they were. He's like, oh, yeah, those are um, guys that work at um, NORAD, which is like um, North American uh, Air Defense. What's the R? Rapid Air Defense? NORAD. I believe that's what it is, yeah. Um, basically, uh, if someone starts shooting um, nuclear missiles at us or something, they, they go and try and shoot them down or whatever. They they try to do things, and they can intercept other planes that if they go into our airspace and stuff, they have scramjets or whatever, just jets waiting. NORAD basically protects the United States airspace is basically what their job is. And that is from aircraft, from missiles, from uh, everything. Like they monitor basically any and all traffic that is flying around in the skies above the United States. That's basically what NORAD does. Oh, yeah. Matt, speaking of NORAD, did you hear about those jets from Arizona that went to the the intercept that kid who stole the uh, – not kid, adult, younger adult who stole the plane in um, uh, Seattle? They, they oh, were there I in like 10 minutes. I didn't think that was Arizona jets. I thought they sent out F-15s, and the F-15s are based out of Alaska. I, I I don't know where wherever they scrambled them from. They were there in like ten minutes, and it was like far. Yeah, I thought I thought it was I thought it was Alaska because that's why they have F twenty twos and F fifteens based in Alaska. Um, a lot of people might not know this. Me being an airplane guy, I love this kind of shit, especially the F fifteens and the F twenty twos because those two airplanes have one job and one job only, and that is to shoot down another airplane. That's all they do. And so that's why they're based out of Alaska, because that is the quickest response where we can get an airplane up in the air in case Russia or some other country decides to send a bomber or a fighter jet into U.S. airspace. And they can scramble the F-22s and the F-15s and get them out and up and going before even something based out of Seattle, Washington or San Francisco or California or any of that. That's why they're all based out of Alaska. Oh, okay. Anyways, not to get off topic, but I, yeah, I'll look into that, Mike. I'll look into that. But I swear I thought they said they were the F-15s out of Alaska. I might be wrong. I haven't looked at that story in a while, though. I read it like the day after it happened, and that was about it. I haven't gone back to it since. Oh, yeah, that's a weird one anyway. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about interesting, that. Interesting tie, though. Interesting tie is that airline service, Horizon, was an airline, one of the only airline services in and out of Prescott for a while. And they paid a lot of money to be that airline service, and then they kind of abandoned it after a couple years. I remember specifically because when I went and covered it for the newspaper, they flew one of those exact kind of airplanes, which is the airplane they used going to and from the flights out of Prescott twice a day, I think. But they flew one of those exact airplanes that guy stole into Prescott and had everybody go on a tour of it and walk up in in it and check it out and all this other stuff. Oh, that's cool. It's real cool. And I remember that specifically, that it was Horizon, because I was about the only member of the press there. (laughs) Okay, cool. I didn't man. even think the reporter went on that, but now we have an actual—not to tie it back into 
ongoing airplane news, but now we actually have a legit kind of full-on jet that flies in and out of Prescott now. If flown by a SkyWest, I think operated under the banner of United Airlines, which is really exciting and neat for Prescott because we haven't actually had a full-on jet fly in and out of here transporting people. It's always been big turboprop airplanes. So it's kind of cool. But neat. again, I'm a airplane nerd, so sorry. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, so I guess w- with the... With that, Matt, what do you uh, like? What did you think of the um, right at the very, very end of the movie? The flag that's upside down and then fades to black and white. Uh, and uh, for me, like upside down is the international sign of distress. Right. So especially I think, with an American flag, right? So and, I was thinking it was like America's in distress, and then it's over black and white issues. And I was like, that's kind of that was kind of cool. I thought that was interesting symbology. It was it was smart. I I like that. I like the symbology behind it. But again, I was actually just having this discussion with my buddy Dave before I saw this movie. He and I went to lunch on Wednesday, and there was a American flag in the restaurant. It was a painting, and it was bleeding in the restaurant. And he was asking about it and all that stuff. And I was explaining how. Being a Eagle Scout, yes, that's right, I am an Eagle Scout, people. Being an Eagle Scout, we were taught never, ever, ever, ever to disgrace the flag. And if you do something like that, flip it upside down, that means distress, and that is a signal if you're in on a boat or if you're in captivity or what. And you only do that in extreme dire, dire straits. And that's one of the things we learned in scouts is you don't mess with the american flag you don't you respect it it is you know one of the biggest symbols of this nation and so i was talking to him about how even these people you see wearing pants made out of american flag it might not actually be made out of a true american flag but the shorts pants look like an American flag is technically a disgrace of the American flag, not an honoring of it. And they really shouldn't be doing that. And that really upsets a lot of people in the military and a lot of people in the scouts and things like that. So when I see someone using that iconography at the end of a film, it it rubs me the wrong way, but I also understand what he was trying to do with it artistically and say with it, because again, I am, you know, trained in the arts and you know i have a degree in photography and all that stuff so i understand lots of stuff is always controversial but then i also have that military upbringing and scouts and all that stuff so i the symbology behind it was cool but uh, there's a part of me that's like come on man why'd you have to do that yeah um i guess with that man um what man dude you really got me going a couple times on this one yeah what, uh, <laughs> i'm sorry I, I, for all I, or, of you who don't want to hear my ranting i'm sorry uh, i guess i can give my uh, i'll give my review first because uh, okay mike um, go for it what did you think of black klansman how many reels do you give it so uh i'm gonna give it three reels uh out of five you know it's it might not rub me the right way on some stuff, but I think it is a fairly good movie. Um, it is 
super political, though. So uh, if you know that going into it, then you'll be you'll be ready. Um, so I'm going to give it three three reels out of five. I, I think people should see it. Um, you know, even though it's it's it, you know it's controversial, but I think people should see it. Well, very well put, Mike. Very well put, and I agree with you. I think it was a very good film. It was done well. The acting was phenomenal, for the most part. Uh, there were there were scenes that didn't make sense, like Alec Baldwin, and you know there were things that I didn't like that I think that could have been left out. But overall, I do believe this is a film that everyone should see. Do you need to see it in the movie theaters? No, you can watch it at home. Uh, being in a big screen really, I don't think, did much for this film. Uh, not like a big blockbuster or something like that. But again, I, I just like going to the movie theaters. And once again, I am going to be higher than Mike because I am not as much of a strict butt as Mike is when it comes to rating movies. I give it four out of five reels. Oh, man. You, you are... You are much much more generous than me. Yeah, I am. I know. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I think it is well worth a watch. But if you can't see it in the theaters or you don't get it, you know, definitely go get it on Netflix or Vudu or whatever when it comes out in the theaters. It's it's. I mean, not theaters, the the streaming or video on demand or whatever. I think it's well worth it. I think it'll open your eyes, especially to the affairs of today. Now, is this movie going to be a four out of five in 10 years? Probably not. Is it going to be a four out of five in five years? Probably not. I don't know. But right now, for me, it is. It's a four out of five. Nice. Nice. All right, so Mike, what else you got to add about Black Klansman? Are you done? You spent? I I I think I think I'm done. I think I've said everything that uh, I wanted to say about it. it. All right, it was uh it was a provocative movie. Yeah, it's political, uh, but it was good. Well, and again, Chipotle, we're looking for that sponsorship, and then we can become the official podcast of Chipotle. But we are not right now. We are the unofficial podcast of Chipotle, who makes delicious burritos and tacos and burrito bowls and serves booze in their restaurant. Not that I know when I go there on my lunch breaks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I It, it, it is a good place to eat. I love uh, the, the chicken bowls. Good stuff. The chicken bowls? You don't like the barbacoa? No, I do like the barbacoa, but I think chicken's a little better for you. Yeah, I like the chicken because, you know, it's not like shredded chicken. It's the grilled chicken. It's pretty tasty. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's good. Barbacoa is probably my favorite, but uh, yeah, it's not quite as good for you. All right. I don't have anything else. Mike, you want to close this out? Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie.